Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and front of the disclose, back to the Undressing Underground Podcast. Today on the show is somebody I don't actually know the name of. I know her first name is Lisa, and I know that because she goes by Lisa Saurus on Twitter. But I neglected to ask her her real name, and I wanted to get this out of the way, so I didn't feel like waiting around until she's available to tell me it. I hope you don't mind, Lisa. I'm sure you don't. Keep running in and... and uh, I can't say that word. I'm not going to bother. Anyway. She's here to talk about classical music and performing in community orchestras. She plays the cello in them and community orchestras are a thing I didn't know existed uh, because I don't know a lot of things because I'm not that smart as is evident if you've heard any other episode of this but that's why there's guests so there's something to actually be learned or whatever. <laughs> Ugh, why am I even talking? Oh, I didn't even make my David Hammerin joke. Oh well. Jill's got a better joke at the end of this. Before that, we have Lisa Sars, as I mentioned. After her interview, we will hear her play uh, what was it? The third movement, an excerpt from the third movement of Rachmaninoff's Sonata for Cello in G minor. I should just have a computer reading all these fucking words instead of me butchering them. But she's going to play it once as straightforward as possible and then once with more musicality as she puts it to uh, give an example of something we talk about later in the interview. And then from there, we're going to go to tea time. And tea is going to talk about the same sort of thing about playing other people's music and putting yourself into it, but in relation to the blues. And then we'll hear a little segment of tea playing the classic Bobby Blue Bland song, Stormy Monday. And then we'll hear Jill Hackney's excellent. David Hamler and David Hammeringe. God, I can't even fucking say something that evening. I give up. Just here's Lisa Soros. Hey. Hey. How's it going? All right, you? Good. Sorry I took so long. I I lost I totally lost track of time. No, that's totally fine. Um, do you have headphones by chance nearby? Um, I do. Do they need like a speaker on them though? No, no, no. Just um, so there's no feedback. Sure. Uh, I have to run downstairs. But oh, okay. I'll be sorry. Back. I should have mentioned it earlier. Okay. <laughs> Did I hear a dog? Yeah, that's my dog. Okay. <laughs> I can't go anywhere without him. No. <laughs> yeah, I know. 
It's okay. I just think it's funny <laughs> that I can hear him panting. <laughs> yeah. I'll be surprised if he doesn't at some point jump on the bed. It's wrong here. That's all right. Every time I do these, Boris like walks over and starts rubbing up against the mic and everything. <laughs> well, yeah, because he's a cat, right? That's yeah. how that works. Yeah. Hi. Go away. Go away. <laughs> okay. Anyway. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I know this will be interesting because I know very little about you. <laughs> Um, I know. <laughs> I know you don't like scallops. Yeah, I know. We we went through that last night. <laughs> yeah, why why is that is that, though? Why do I hate scallops? Yeah, I don't think you mentioned why you like hate them so passionately. Um, I hate the texture of them. They're gross. They're like slimy and kind of spongy. Yeah. And then they taste like ocean, which is not. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. You put them in like a sauce or something though. It's the t it's the texture. Like I have, okay. I'm really picky about texture. What about like shrimp anything? and stuff? What about what? Like shrimp and other stuff that's sort of like that. Oh, I'll eat seafood all day, but for some <laughs> reason I just I think part of my resentment comes from how expensive they are. Are they? I never noticed. Yeah, at like restaurants and stuff, scallops are like supposed to be super fancy, and then they're not cheap, and I just think they're overrated. <laughs> Okay. Um, that, that's my hill that I've chosen to die on. Good. Um, it's a good hill, um, I guess. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so I guess I'm talking to you, though, because you you perform uh, classical music, right? Like, you perform in, like, orchestras and stuff? Yeah. Um, perform makes it sound so fancy, but... <laughs> Probably you do. <laughs> you play. Yeah. I'm not a professional or anything. Um, that's even more interesting, a... though. That's, Sorry? That's even more interesting, though, that you don't do it on like, a professional level. Like It's just something you decide to do with your free time. I know. Um, it's it's weird because I've been doing it my whole life almost. Like I started, I played the cello, right? And I started when I was nine years old. Okay. And been I've been doing orchestras basically since middle school. I went to like an arts charter school. It was super nerdy. <laughs> It's great. Nice. Um, I was in like three separate orchestras in high school. I did it in college. So it's just kind of always been something that I've done. And then obviously once I graduated, it wasn't really the same opportunity, but it would just, it kind of comes into my consciousness. Like I'll move somewhere or I'll stop doing it. And then maybe like a few months later, I'll start to be like, you know what? I really, I just miss doing it. It's kind of weird and hard to explain, but well, how do you get back into it? Like how, when you move somewhere new, like how do you find places to do it at? Well, so I used to live in Washington, DC or like Northern Virginia, uh, cause that's where I went to college. So after I graduated, I still lived there and I was lucky there because the conductor who conducted my college orchestra also conducted a community orchestra actually at the National Institutes of Health. Hmm. They, ha they have an orchestra because why not? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's like mostly like doctors and scientists. It's crazy. Um, so because I knew her, that was kind of my in. Hi, kitty kid. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was my in with her. And then I moved back to Phoenix a few years ago. And I started looking around, but I lived in an area of the city where I couldn't really find anything. And so I kind of forgot about it. And then uh, a few months ago, I just it kind of just occurred to me to look again, so I found where I'm at right now. Where and where are you at right now? It's called the Chandler Symphony, um, which Chandler is kind of like a sub suburb section of Phoenix, and mm -hmm. it's near where I live. And it was funny because 
I looked him up. I was just kind of Googling community orchestras because that's really the only way I knew how to find anything. Right. And they popped up and their posting said like they hold auditions in late August, early September. And this was like maybe the second week of August. So I was like, oh, that's perfect. Uh, so I emailed them and the conductor called me and said, I think I called him on a Wednesday. And he is like, oh, can you come in next Tuesday and audition? Because our season is about to start. So I kind of panicked because I was going out of town that weekend and I hadn't touched my cello in a year and a half at this point. <laughs> I kind of thought that I was going to have a little bit of more time to prepare. Right. But I was going out of town that weekend. So literally by the time I went out of town and came back, I had one night to prep for this audition, which was kind of terrifying. And what happens at these auditions? Like, I, are you just performing a piece they give you? <laughs> Okay, so I talked to the conductor, and he was super nice and just said, oh, yeah, just prepare something and come play. And I said, well, is there anything else that I'll need to, like, worry about or think about? He goes, oh, no, 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 it's fine. So I play, I pull out a piece that I haven't played since high school and kind of just brush it up a little bit. And I go in, and it's the conductor, and then it's the principal cellist, who's the woman who sits in the very front and super good and is kind of in charge of the entire section. And so I play my piece for them and then I kind of sit there and look at them and she goes, Oh, that's great. Do you have any other pieces that you can play? <laughs> and I hadn't really prepared anything. Yeah. So, but I had something kind of in my pocket. So I pulled that out and played it and then she goes, all right, great. And then she hands me uh, excerpts from Beethoven, a Beethoven symphony and just has me sight read them, which I was not prepared for <laughs> at all. Like no one had warned me this was happening. Can you sight read though? Yeah technically <laughs> what does technically mean <laughs> uh i'm not great at it especially when i'd only been playing again for 24 hours like it's it's a whole skill like there's yeah when i was playing in high school i had to sight read a lot for auditions and so you have this um you have a list of things you have to check off in your head and there's like a whole process to it but i was so nervous i was completely unprepared because like i hadn't warned me this was happening right but um, it was actually the excerpt she asked me to play was something I'd played in high school. So it kind of <laughs> was still there. I was like, okay, I can do this. So I did that. And then she asked me to play a scale, yeah. which doesn't sound super scary, but she asked me to play like a specific version of a minor scale. And I haven't done scales since high school because why the heck would I be doing scales as like, an adult? How complicated was it? Like, it's not just like a minor seven or something like it's something more complicated than that. Or So there's three. So there's major and minor. Right. right. And then minor has three versions of scales. There's melodic, harmonic and another one that I'm blanking on right now. But each one has different notes in it, depending on what minor version it is. OK. So she asked me to play, I forget exactly what it was, but she asked me to play this specific minor scale. And I was I just looked at her and I was like, no, I can't. <laughs> um and so then she was like all right well think of something that you can't like think of a scale that you can play so i literally pulled it out of my ass and managed to fake my way through this minor scale enough that they were actually impressed i guess and it was like it was funny because it was like i pulled it out of some reserve that when i because when i was in high school i had to play scales all the time it had been like hammered into me right so much that it just came out of like my subconscious and I managed to play it, which was terrifying. But um, I think I basically squeaked in through the audition process, but I made it, which was, you know, I'll count it. Right. Are these hard to get into these community orchestras? 
I think it depends on the orchestra. Yeah. Um, and it depends on kind of who's in charge. The conductor, he's like this older man, like crazy white hair that looks kind of like Einstein. So he's like the most stereotypical looking possible conductor. <laughs> totally. Like white hair everywhere. He's super yeah. nice, kind of wacky. Um, and so after my audition, he was like, yeah, you're good. You can join us. It's fine. But the section leader was sitting there like stone faced. Nice. <laughs> and I feel like if the conductor hadn't been there, she might not have been super excited about it. But um, it really depends on the skill level of the orchestra. But one of the reasons I wanted to join this one is because I was looking at their repertoire and they play like good stuff. <laughs> well, what's good stuff? <laughs> I know. Sorry. Um, <laughs> like the really big classical pieces, you know, like we're doing um, – a Beethoven symphony right now. We're going to be doing a Tchaikovsky symphony later on in the year. Like, like the I'm hits. a class. <laughs> Sorry. Like the classical hits almost. Yeah, and I'm like a classical purist, so I like the solid, well-known classical pieces. Like, I don't like modern. I don't really like that kind of weird experimental stuff. Really. I like old school classical music. It's just like my jam. So. <laughs> I was looking at their uh, concert schedule and it looked like stuff that I wanted. And if they're playing these pieces, then you have to assume that they're pretty good. Right. So that's kind of how <laughs> I um, picked them. But I mean, I tried out for orchestras. I went back in uh, the East Coast. I tried out for one and I went to one rehearsal and never went back because it was like high school level, <laughs> terrible music. So it just depends. So uh, how old are these people generally? Like, is this like is this people your age is it people like in their 40s or something mostly or you think i'm in my 40s is that what no I'm no i said or people in your, in oh. your 40s. <laughs> um this one in particular is all over the place like there are a couple high school kids in there who i think really? are in it just to kind of supplement because they're nerds like i was in high school so you just like playing as many orchestras as you can and then there's like retirees too so it's all over the map hmm. and some of them are professionals and some of them are people like me where they have day jobs and they just kind of want to play on the side. So wait, do you get paid for this? No. <laughs> so why the professionals in it? Um, I think it's just kind of something to do. Um, <laughs> if you're a professional, right. And you want to be paid to play in a symphony, you have to get into like the major city symphony, which is obviously really hard to do right so, so it's probably just a way like a lot of them are like music teachers and they play gigs but they're not at the level or they don't want to commit the time to like the phoenix symphony so this is just a way for them to play symphonic music hmm. I'm, I'm speaking for them i have no idea <laughs> and so then where do these sort of orchestras normally play we the one i'm in right now we rehearse at a church which is pretty common because uh, churches are usually pretty nice and letting people <laughs> use their space. They have to do something, um, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. they have to make the tax exempt status worth it for the state. Right? <laughs> it's the only time I go into a church. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, and then we do our concerts at a uh, at the Chandler Arts Center, actually, which is pretty nice. Um, hmm. Other orchestras I've done play in churches. It just kind of depends on what their uh, – financial situation is and if they can get donated space or not but yeah at the art center is really nice it's a pretty good spot i mean but like are you playing for like benefits or is it just for the community like yeah so it's free concerts it's like anyone who wants to come can come um usually it's a lot of old people in the audience because they <laughs> love that stuff <laughs> right yeah uh, 
the one I played back, the NIH one I used to play, and they would like bus in senior centers. And it was just like <laughs> Night of the Living Dead in that place. It was fun. But they, they love it. Like they're enthusiastic and they think anything you do is amazing. So <laughs> it's great to have them in the audience. Um, and then also this year, I guess, since I'm new, I'm just finding this out. And this is another thing the conductor didn't tell me is we're playing the Nutcracker. Yeah. Uh, for there's like a local ballet company and we're doing like three or four shows, okay. which nobody told me. So I'm <laughs> glad I happen to have the time. <laughs> Are these like all at night and on weekends still or? Yeah, luckily I looked at the schedule cause I was like, uh, I can't just randomly play like matinees on a Tuesday, but it's, it's most, I think it's four performances in two days or something like that. Jeez. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. But, but so like, what do they expect? Like, what do you expect when you sign up? Like, is, are you just, are you, do you have to be there for every show then? Yeah, There's... uh, basically. So you have to like sign in at the beginning of every rehearsal and they have all these rules. Like if you can't make it to a rehearsal, obviously there's some leeway, but if you miss more than like one or two, you're not allowed to play the concert. Like there's accountability there because otherwise, you know, we, they make us, they give us a lot of music to learn in a very short period of time. Like we have three rehearsals total before our next concert, Hmm. which is nothing. And so if you're not showing up, you're not going to be able to play because I mean, everyone has to be there and everyone has to work on it. Otherwise it's not going to work. Right. I, 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 I sort of assumed it would be like a football team or something. Like there would be like a reserve sort of like people on the side that like can fill in or or something. There's just, it's just the Mm -hmm. core group and that's it. Yeah. I mean, it's you, the strings have a little bit easier because you have the big sections with a lot of people in it. So if you miss the rehearsal, it's not that big a deal, but if you play a wind instrument, if you're percussion, if you're missing, people can tell because you're the only one who's playing that part. (laughs) So the winds actually have a stricter attendance policy where if they can't make it to a rehearsal, they have to find someone to sub for them in that rehearsal Hmm. because they play such key parts that if they're not there and we don't have their part, we're not gonna be able to prepare adequately. Oh, so it's less about them and more about the group then. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. It's not about, it's not about you individually. <laughs> right. um, well, so I was curious, I guess, like if, like how much they care about how on the money you specifically are <laughs> each time. Yeah. Well, like I said, with the strings, you can get away with a lot more, which is great. <laughs> yeah. Like this last concert, there was one piece where, I mean, everyone fakes it a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> So it's actually a skill in and of itself, faking it. Hmm. You have to look like you know what you're doing, but without actually doing it. What does um, that mean? Are you like just like air stroke, like air bowing? In worst case scenarios, yes, you <laughs> air bow. Um, and you just like move your fingers around like, oh, look at me, I'm playing. Um, <laughs> you know, in some passages where you're playing like a lot of notes really, really fast, you only play some of them just to make sure you can keep where you're at in the music and also stay like with everyone else. Um so yeah, you can do that when you're a string player because you have like our section has like 12 people in it. So I just kind of hope everyone else has their shit together. <laughs> but if you're one of two oboes, you have nowhere to hide. Right. Which sucks for them. <laughs> um, so you have you actually played with like groups that are playing more modern music or like do you ever play with like pops orchestrations or anything? <laughs> We actually just did a Pops concert for this oh, really? last one the other week. It was because it was on September 11th. It was like Super America concert. <laughs> so we played like all these military. We did like a medley of like military theme songs. And 
Oh god, and hoedowns and all sorts hoedowns. of stuff. It, yeah, there was a hoedown that had like Pop Goes the Weasel in it. Like it got ridiculous. <laughs> How orchestrated um, are these? Like, are these like fairly complicated orchestrations? Are you guys just like all playing a melody together? <laughs> no, no, they're like actually good orchestrations. Okay. Um, and they're not super easy either, even for like marches, which are usually easy because they have the beat and everyone follows and it's super easy to keep track of everything. But right. it was actually like well-written music and it was, it's fun, you know, it's <laughs> that you kind of feel like an idiot when you're like playing Pop Goes a Weasel or like you're a grand old flag that came up, <laughs> but the audience ate it up, you know. Wait, are, are these like requests? Like, or did you notice set list going into it? <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. They set this up ahead of time. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was like this whole like patriotic theme pops concert there was like a little bluegrass band it got <laughs> kind of crazy hmm. but that stuff's fun um it's not my favorite but really like the really modern stuff i've played some of that in orchestras my i had a conductor who used to love making us do that and i just i hate it i don't know i have strong opinions about things you know scallops and <laughs> modern modern music those are both on my shit list like what are some of the examples of stuff you're playing were you playing like philip glass or something nothing that weird no. really but oh thank god um <laughs> but uh, i'm trying to i can't remember specific names or anything like that but there will be pieces where my conductor knew someone who was a composer so they oh, okay. compose this piece and she's like oh we're gonna debut this piece which makes it sound super fancy but it's really just we're playing this guy's music that he decided to write and they have like ridiculous like instructions of like play this kind of softly but kind of also hard like you're running like they get really specific about how you're supposed to play it's not just quiet loud it's like this... think about this one time when you were walking in the woods and you were sad and now play like that wait this is the the composer not the conductor giving these instructions the composer yeah <laughs> like they also know um, all tours of uh classical music <laughs> Yeah, they just make up these insane instructions, and then the keys are always really bad. Like they're really hard because they're like, "Ooh, the more sharps they put in here, the cooler it's gonna be," or the time signatures are all over the place in like really strange time signatures. Intentional. And I just, yeah, because huh. it's modern music, and they're like oh, okay. experimenting with stuff. And I don't know. Half the time, I just don't like the way it sounds, <laughs> and I think it's kind of pretentious. But it's not like I can compose anything. I'm not trying to hate on someone who can write music. I can't right but that's just i've never been really interested in that i've always just like the the classics really i mean well is that just because you don't want to put that much effort into this then it sounds like all right all right no no i mean it's like it's just like a hobby it's like is this just like something you're doing to kick back a little bit not like something you're investing your whole mind into <laughs> Sure, but I mean, classical pieces are really, really hard too. It's not right. a, it's not a difficulty thing. It's just if I don't connect with the music, it's not as much fun for me to play. Obviously. But I mean, like, how often are you playing something you're you haven't played before? Um, well, right now, everything we're playing, I've never played before. Like, we're oh, really? playing Beethoven Five, which is super famous, but I've never had the chance to play it. Um, so that's fun. And I mean, my repertoire isn't huge, so pretty often I get stuff that I haven't played before. Hmm. Um. What's well, curious, I guess, like, so I would assume, like, play, I would assume that, like, county or whatever the orchestras are, like, the community orchestras and, like, high schools and colleges, I would, I don't really go see them, so I just assume they're, like, all playing the same sort of things each time, but it actually is that varied, generally. I mean, there's so much out there, if you think yeah. about it. Like, even if I say, I just want 
good old classical music that could go anywhere from 1600 to 1900, 1950, something like that's 350 years worth to pick from. So, and you know, right. Mozart was like churning out crap for years and yeah. Beethoven wrote nine symphonies. Like there's plenty out there. And so I've repeated a few times, but it's, I mean, yeah, there's so much choice. It's not really an issue. Oh, wait, you, you repeat that infrequently. That's only been like a few times you've repeated a piece. I mean, my memory is awful, so <laughs> take it with a grain of salt. But uh, yeah, I wouldn't, I don't think I've played any one particular piece more than two or three times. Wow. Yeah, uh, except for there's a couple where it's like you always have to play them and that's kind of old hat. But for the most part, I haven't repeated that much. Okay. Because, yeah, I just assumed that like being in a community orchestra, you'd be playing like the same shit every Christmas and stuff. Like, <laughs> Well, yeah, okay, so the Nutcracker, yeah, everyone's yeah. played that at least 20 times. When you get into, like, the seasonal stuff, yeah, okay, you kind of get used to that, and you play that, like, and I played Palm Sunday services for a while, so I play that three or four times, because I do that every year, it just kind of depends, but, like, the big orchestral pieces, there's so much out there that you don't really have to worry. Hmm. Uh, so, how, what, how did you get into the cello? Like, why did you choose the cello? Because I'm at, you said you started playing when you were, like, nine, right? Um, mm -hmm. And the cello is not the most <laughs> conducive instrument, I would assume, for a nine-year-old. It's, it's not it's not like a double bass, but it's still pretty big. All right, they do make different... They make baby ones. Like, oh, I've do? seen, like, quarter-sized cellos that are, like, violins. They're so cute. <laughs> it wasn't that small. Um, how did I... Let's see. I... Well, I started playing piano when I was six, hmm. which is when I started doing, like, the music thing. And I was... Like, I enjoyed it enough, and I was good enough at it that I think my parents, I just remember them one day, we started talking, like, oh, well, you could start another instrument if you still want to do that. And I remember thinking, because I was like, oh, this is cool. I can literally pick any instrument that I want. This is going to be so much fun. Um, I thought about doing the saxophone, but then realized if my name was Lisa and I played the saxophone, <laughs> that was just going to lead to a lot of yeah. hardship. <laughs> uh, I, yeah. I didn't I even put about, it together until you started saying it. <laughs> Yeah, right? Yeah, everyone thinks that. And I yeah. would still get asked, oh, you play the saxophone? No, I don't. <laughs> um, I thought about the oboe, because the oboe seemed pretty cool, but I don't. I just kind of randomly picked, because I wanted to pick something that everyone plays, so I didn't want to do violin, I didn't want to do flute, anything like that. No offense to all those people out there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I just kind of picked cello, because it was kind of different, but not super weird. Right. And that that was it <laughs> and here i am 18 years later still playing is that how yeah okay so we're the same age actually i just put that together <laughs> okay yeah i was like hold on let me do the math yeah um so you actually started playing music on your own like you weren't forced into music by your parents at all not force. I mean, every kid has to kind of be forced. Like, I don't remember yeah. running around being like, I want to play piano. Help me play piano. <laughs> um, I think because when you're little, your parents kind of make you do a bunch of different stuff and see if something sticks. Yeah. Or at least my parents did. So I did ballet. I did gymnastics. I did softball. I did all sorts of crap. But right. for some reason, piano was like the thing that kind of stuck. But so like why were they... <laughs> why <laughs> yeah well so it's pretty curious though because i mean i guess at nine your music tastes aren't gonna be the most developed but 
you went for the like was it through the school because you went for the cello you didn't go for like guitar or anything obviously yeah well okay so i started taking lessons when i was nine and then i mean at that point you're so terrible at it there's not like you're going to be playing in any orchestras because you can't even like hold the thing and you have no idea and you have to i already knew how to read music so that helped but Mm -hmm. like there's a whole process of getting comfortable with it and so by the time i was i think you go into middle school when you're like 11 or something like that 11 or 12 something yeah i think 10 i think it was 10 in fourth grade so it was around there yeah okay yeah so it was only a couple years till middle school and then i went to this arts school for middle school where you were required to have an art whether that was an instrument or singing or ballet i think those were your options Hmm. and so i and it was the first half of your day was academics and then the second half was whatever arts you were into so then i was like built into my education so i kept playing from there it was easy to do was it all classical arts then like you couldn't really like go go with uh i don't even know what i'd be thinking besides guitar i guess again but (laughs) there was guitar yeah um yeah i remember that and then everyone had to take piano and everyone had to take voice lesson or choir that was like required they had to take piano and choir at like even if you weren't doing music yeah it was like the morning you had like english you had math and then you had piano and then you had social studies it was like compulsory piano (laughs) were you like being forced to draw and or and write and stuff too i guess everybody's forced to write but like where you yeah we were forced to write it wasn't like visual arts there were no visual arts really yeah it's all it was performing arts it's all oh okay yeah i guess i could have been more specific (laughs) yeah i was thinking like art charter school i was thinking would be like an art college like where you have like Mm. i always think of this one girl had a feather in her hair at temple (laughs) oh god yeah well there were those people there yeah and wait was this a middle school or a high school i can't remember already it's sixth or twelfth so i oh, okay. stayed and i left after eighth grade but you could go all the way through high school so you, the people with the feathers in their hair were generally in high school i imagine the high yes. school part. <laughs> i don't know maybe some of the middle schoolers people were people were totally weird people were such nerds but it was i loved it because when you're middle school is like the worst time of your life because yeah. you're awkward and you're like weird looking and so for me to be somewhere protected kind of like that, where I got to be weird. Yeah. You have everyone to else. <laughs> yeah. It's like required. Yeah. It was great. Cause then I kind of went through my awkward phase with a bunch of other awkward people and then got it out of the way. And so <laughs> by the time I went to public high school, I was still a nerd. Like let's not pretend, but <laughs> it was a little bit better. <laughs> I mean, I, I hate to keep going back to the guitar, but it's literally the only thing I could think of for some reason. Okay. <laughs> But like when, as you were getting older, like, wasn't there a point at some time where you were like, wanted to move toward, were you just listening to classical music or were you listening to pop music or rock music at all? Like, yeah, I like classical music is kind of like one compartment of my brain and I'll still like, I'll listen to it occasionally, just depending on what I'm doing or I was listening to it driving the other day. But I mean, I love regular music too. I mean, it took me (laughs) a while. Middle school, I was kind of like. Oh, I like classical music. That's what I listen to. And then I got into high school and I started doing the whole teeny bopper thing. Like I had the Britney Spears and the Backstreet Boys. And then um, I did buy an Incubus CD, which I thought was pretty badass. Yeah. I was yeah. into them for a while too. <laughs> huh? I was into them for a while too. But um, Yeah. But so did you, did that any of that make you want to switch instruments like to something more popular? 
No, really. Um, I, I don't know how to, I just, classical music is just something that I just think is so much fun and I don't think it gets enough credit. Yeah. Um, and learning another instrument, it's like, I don't, nobody has time for that. <laughs> <laughs> so I was kind of, I was kind of cemented by high school. Like this is what I do. And I'm not, I just never really had a desire to learn anything else. I, my dad plays classical guitar. He tried to teach me once and it was like the contortions your hand has to, it was too much. I didn't yeah. even, <laughs> We tried once. <laughs> but so, I mean, so you're on the same age as me, so you grew up with the internet and everything and like Napster and stuff. Mm. Um, so were you, like, did you seek out other things with cello? Because like my, girl, my girlfriend plays cello. And so in middle school and high oh. school, she started getting into like Rasputina and Arthur Russell and I guess more <laughs> avant-garde composers like, um, what's his name? Uh, who did the whale thing? I forget I no the whale thing. <laughs> A no George idea. something. Ah, oh, fuck. I feel like an idiot. Um, but no, did you seek anything else out? Like anything that would have a cello? Like Rasputina is like all girls playing cello, doing rock music. Right. So. I know them. I know Apocalypta, Apocalyptica, I think they're called. They do Metallica covers. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I have I have a friend actually who's in... A similar it's like a string cover band kind of thing that's actually getting pretty popular so i i'm not against those kinds of things it's kind of fun but i've just never really had the desire to branch out and like listen to other stuff if i either do 100 percent classical or i do like rock music or whatever's on the radio it's like i've never really spent time listening to the more modern cello stuff i don't know it's not because it's and i don't like it or anything it's just never been something that i actively seek out that's interesting though like why do you think that is that like there's just they're so separated for you you know not to psychoanalyze myself too much because <laughs> i have no idea what i'm talking about <laughs> but um i think it's just because i grew up playing this classical music and i didn't really there wasn't much modern stuff that I experienced when I was younger. So like I have an emotional connection to the classical stuff. Mm. Um, and it's just, and it's kind of cool. You're playing something that's 300 years old. Right. And you're like some guy 300 years ago wrote this. And it sounded like if only he could like hear that all these modern people are still playing it. Like there's a reason that stuff is still around and there's a reason it's people still listen to it because it's freaking good. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I just think it's, it's just kind of like, it's more of an emotional thing for me. I connect to it a lot more. Um, but have you ever tried like to translate your own cello playing? Like you ever like screw around with GarageBand and like try and do anything else with it? Like to try and branch out beyond classical with your own playing? <laughs> I'm probably, you probably have all these questions and I'm making it hard because no. Um, improvising like composing any of that stuff i i don't have that gene or whatever it would take to be able to do that um it's just even like we had to play like a jazzy medley the other for this pops concert we did and even that was like a little bit tricky really just adding uh, like a syncopation yeah. to your playing was difficult yeah because it's a totally different style and it's not as regimented and it's a little bit looser you know huh. um but I mean, I totally respect people who can like write music or people who can improvise, like jazz bands and stuff. It blows my mind. I have no idea how they do it. <laughs> um, it's just, it's not something that I, 
I don't have like melodies in my head that I come up with or anything like that. I just prefer to play what other people wrote. Like there was even a time I was playing um, Christmas service at some church mm -hmm. and they gave us music and they said, oh, this is the part, but it's in the wrong key. So you have to transpose it as you play. And I freaked out because like <laughs> even that I'm not very good at. Well, what's so, involved in that? Like, is it just like, like, like what, how difficult was it transposing? Like, was it just like the notes would be like a line or two up on the sheet? Or? Yeah, it wasn't even that bad. I don't, <laughs> I don't think this was, this was like five or six years ago, but I remember it had to keep going up in key. So it was like, you play it in this key and then everything moves up a step and a half or something like that, Yeah. which sounds fine. But I was just like, oh God, oh God, oh God, I don't know. Because I was fine until I had to like move strings and then it just all fell apart. So even like, and everyone else's course, they're doing it, like having no problem. And that's where the faking it comes in. Um, but yeah, even anything like that. I mean, maybe if I had worked harder at it, it's something I could do better. But I've just, you know, there's plenty of stuff for me to do on the classical side that I've never really felt like I'm missing out on anything. But do you have any desire to push yourself outside your comfort zone to see like what you can do or what? I'm just curious. Cause like I, I normally talk to people that are fairly, and I'm normally friends with people that are fairly experimental. Like my girlfriend just, she's like, like I said, she got huge into Arthur Russell, the, the experimental cello disco player. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Yeah, he's like, he's all of his stuff is like solo, cello disco music um and she's like constantly experimenting and pushing stuff out there so like i'm not i'm not gonna say, i'm not saying any either is better but it is interesting to be like that that does exist like on the other end of the spectrum of just like wanting to just go in and just like getting something i i, I don't i just don't personally understand like what one can get out of that it's just like just going in and just doing it as close to the original way as possible. Like, what is there there? Like, how? I guess I'm. This is a different question now. But um, so like, but like, what? What's the appeal there? I guess like, hmm. is it just the familiar familiarity of it, or the structure? Is it? <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think. Like, I've never been. A super experimental person anyway that's right. just not part of my personality necessarily not I, you're I sitting from a boring, white but... wall right now <laughs> just a huh? giant you're sitting in front of a giant blank white wall right now too <laughs> i know okay this is our guest room okay. in my defense yeah <laughs> it's just oh yeah. <laughs> um i don't know i think it doesn't get enough credit that like these pieces are just so complex and so interesting in themselves and there's so many layers that they're amazing to play just because they've been played before and there's different ways to interpret it you know like and it usually depends on the conductor you can listen to one recording of the beethoven symphony and then listen to another one and they're completely different right so it's not like you have to follow a certain exact prescription every single time for the most part like there's you do have some flexibility in how you do it but I think it's just knowing that you're part of this tradition that's been going on for hundreds of years that I just really, really like. Is there something you you look for either listening or playing in a conductor, like something you prefer? Like do you prefer like they push it more emotionally or that they sort of rein it back and make it more about the technical aspects of it? Um, I mean, I don't 
usually conductors are always going to inject themselves into whatever piece they're conducting. And for the most part, I've never had a conductor where I've like not agreed necessarily with what they were doing. Um, I like it when conductors know what they want. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously what they want has to make sense, but really anyone who's just certain in what they're doing. And a lot of them are very, very emotional. And I think, you have to be when you're conducting. You can't just be a robot up there. That's not what conducting is. It's not just taking the beat. Like there's so much conductors have to do. Right. Um, so I think the more emotional ones are always better because they can pull more from the musicians. And what are you hoping to get pulled from you? Like I, I understand, I guess, that it's probably a sort of nuanced thing, but like I'm not totally clear I guess on what exactly when a conductor brings himself to a piece, like, cause they're not changing the notes at all. Right. Mm-mm. Are they changing the tempo or anything? Well, yeah. So you can, you obviously have tempo markings for pieces. So it's not like you would take a really slow piece and then pay, play it really fast or anything, but there's variations within these categories of maybe they'll take a piece faster or take a piece slower. They have you play different dynamics at different times. They, tell you to like speed up slow down and it's not always the same what do you mean dynamics sorry oh sorry dynamic uh uh, sound levels like soft loud okay stuff like that that's dynamic i I should have known that sorry (laughs) come on your girlfriend would be very upset yeah she probably will (laughs) she won't listen to this but whatever (laughs) (laughs) so you you have these confines of pieces obviously where you have the notes that are there for you and you have the general structure but there is a lot of interpretation that goes into that and usually that's the conductor's job to figure out how they want to do it like the other day at our last rehearsal our conductor was actually sick so he went home and so we had a fill in and she kept saying like all right well i'm not sure this is how he's going to want to do it next week but this is how i do it so let's do it this way (laughs) and what was she doing differently um i think it was it's just i think it was something to do with tempo um and she was like you know i'm going to want to speed up a little bit here he may not want to just pay attention next week to see what he says, but this is how we're going to do it now. Actually, I'm, this is something I've never actually known. Like, um, do you watch the conductor while you're playing? Yes. Uh, usually you don't, you're not like staring at the conductor because obviously you have to read the music. Right. Um, but you always have them in your peripheral vision. Mm-hmm. And so you're always watching the stick, obviously, because that's helping you stay on beat and everyone stay on the same tempo. But then you, you're reading their body language because they put a lot of what they want you to do in their body language. So, I mean, it depends on the conductor, but sometimes they get down really low and sometimes they're like waving their hands around and they point at people when they have to come in. So they're really just, they're in charge of keeping everything together more on more than just tempo, but like, and they're, if they're really big in their movements and they're very emotional, like you're going to be more emotional response. It's you're just playing off each other the entire time. Huh? So they actually are bringing something in that moment. It's not just a reference point. It's not just like they're a metronome up there or anything. Right. No, they're they're really, really important because if they were just timekeepers, we could, I mean, there are certain times when they'll start you off and they'll just walk off the podium because they want to like hear something. So everyone can kind of stay together for a short period of time if they listen to each other and they pay attention. But it's not just about keeping the beat because like I said, you have different conductors and different conductors have for different styles and they bring their own brand basically to whatever piece they're conducting. And that's why 
orchestras will bring in guest conductors and pull something completely different out of an orchestra that they wouldn't give to their normal conductor like it's it's kind of crazy when you think about it now that i'm talking about it yeah so does it like change like day to day like if he's having like a shitty day is he gonna come in and like make it a little bit more intense are you you gonna be able to feel that while you're playing um yeah i guess it's i mean usually conductors are pretty you get used to one conductor and their style so they're pretty consistent day to day um obviously if they're having a shitty day and they're like angry really the biggest part is you're just not going to fuck around as much because they'll kill you but like their style is pretty set um you know Hmm. and some conductors are much more regimented and some are just much more emotional and it just it depends and for me i can follow anyone as long clear you just dropped down again sorry my internet is terrible up here yeah, I've, I, almost everybody I talk to, I've had issues with their internet. I thought really? it was me. Yeah, but I come through fine for everybody for the most part, but always they have problems. It's so yeah. weird. <laughs> um, yeah, I have like three little bars of internet. It's so stupid. Oh, on the... Yeah, I've actually... I turn mine down usually to uh, make sure that I'm not like taking up too much of theirs or like anything too. Um yeah. But, uh, our internet sucks so that's not surprising yeah uh so when you're on your own like you ever you never like just get an urge to like push yourself and be like i wonder if i could do something like this on my own just like open up garage band like see like i wonder if i can play this entire piece by myself or like if i can sort of uh mimic this something from a pop song or something and like sort of compose my own version of it or anything uh no i do i did play lincoln park once on my cello that was fun (laughs) just by yourself um but yeah i mean really just no i know you're probably (laughs) completely weirded out by this no i feel like it's making me sound bad but it's not because i don't i mean i just have never really felt that urge to do things by myself and i don't like solo playing either Hmm. um i'll do it obviously when I have to, but, and that's one of the reasons I've always looked for orchestras to join is because I don't, I'm not a performer. Like I don't like getting in front of people by myself and doing stuff. Right. So I don't really spend my time working on things that would just be me. Um, I mean, if like a band approached you, would you be at all interested? Oh, <laughs> uh, maybe. Yeah. There was a couple of times in college. I had people come to me and ask me to like help them. Um, I recorded something for someone in their band, and then I did a guy who's in a band now, actually, who was on Conan the other night, which was pretty exciting. <laughs> um, but I played for, like, his senior recital with his band. Like, I'm happy to help people, but, like, I'm not myself that kind of person who creates. Right. At least not in that aspect. <laughs> um, I had another question based on that, and I totally lost it. <laughs> Uh-oh. Yeah, it happens. Yeah, uh, think of it. <laughs> uh, oh, but so, have you ever considered pursuing music professionally then? Like, pursuing, I mean, I guess not, like, being in a band or anything, but, like, joining, like, a professional orchestra? Like, try, have you ever tried out for them or anything? No, I am not anywhere near that level, skill-wise, um... Like the people who play professionally are just ridiculous and it's their job. And so that's what they spend all their time doing. Um, before I went to college, like I could have gone into a professional league, mm-hmm. but 
if you go to music school, that's all you're doing all day is you practice for like six hours a day. And I was never a big practicer. <laughs> I always kind of hated it. Um, it would turn something that I loved and I liked doing it for me, it would turn it into something that I hated hmm. because it would be a chore. And I mean, that's, I was warned by like my piano teacher who went to piano school for college. And she was like, just be really careful and make sure it's something you really want to do because you're, for me, it's an escape. Yeah. But had I gone to school for it, then that would have been like my reality and it would have ruined it. I think. I guess that's what I was trying to figure out earlier when I was asking about, uh, the conservative aspect of just like playing other people's music and just, um, following direction a little bit, I guess it's like, is it more of a release when you don't have to put that much, I don't know, I, I'm trying to think of a better way to say it than effort, <laughs> but like, yeah, it, you're a hater. No, but it's like, man. I mean, it's like, I don't know, like if you drive, like you drive from place to place and it's can be relaxing and you're obviously doing it. Um, however, but like, you're not going to be able to get onto like a, to like the Indy 500 and like start going around, like racing around those people. Like it's not like, it's not like very metaphor. I don't know how to put it. Is it? <laughs> I think I, I can see what you're saying. And I think, I mean, you're just because someone's already written it though. It's not. Okay. So if I was to compose my own stuff or experiment or whatever, I think that takes an entirely different part of the brain, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, that isn't necessarily a part of the brain that I either have or pay attention to, right. but just because something's already written doesn't mean it's just like, eh, whatever, I can just play it. It's not a big deal. Like, this stuff is, A, really, really hard a lot of the yeah. times. Like, it's very technically challenging. And, I mean, there's still emotion you have to put it in. If you just play the notes, no one's going to want to listen to you. Hmm. Um, you have to make – you. your goal is to make it something that people want to listen to. And it's about – for me, it's about just hearing this music that someone wrote and being able to – play something that's existed for so long and been so good and you're also it's one of the things I love about it is you're in a group of people and like I don't know 99% of the people personally that I'm playing with but everyone has the same goal and everyone is trying to create this music together and you have to listen to each other pay attention and you have to play off of each other and it's like everyone just like comes together and it's it's an insane feeling when like everything just clicks and I've actually started crying in the middle of playing before because like it, it gets so emotional for me. Yeah. Like in orchestras, like if there's certain symphonies specifically that like will make me cry because hmm. to me, it's so beautiful and to be part of it and to be just like literally physically in the middle of it. And everyone just wants to make something beautiful just because it's already been written before. I don't think that takes away from that. Right. Yeah, I didn't mean to be indicating that it does. I just whatever, like, man. Yeah, but just like you're saying, like it's a different part to bring everything. Um, but so, like, how much of your stuff you're putting into? Because you said when you were when it like makes you cry, it's more of like a the connection. It sounds like with everybody around you, like being part of that bigger thing. Um, has ever just has ever ever like just the emotion of like a part you're playing like really like mm-hmm. gutted you at all? Yeah, I mean, there's some music out there that's 
beautiful music and I mean I'm biased because I think cellos are the best but I mean there are certain composers who write amazing and cello's great because you're not always in charge like the violins are always having to be on like 100% of the time and a lot of times cellos are just like in the background but we do get some amazing parts from composers sometimes and mm -hmm. we get to take over like I mean think about Beethoven 9 right one of the most famous pieces oh to joy everything like yeah. the cellos start that like that whole Ode to Joy theme is started by us. And it's like that entire piece, like you are in charge of setting the stage for one of the most famous melodies that's ever been written. And you have to, if you just play the notes, it's not going to be interesting. Hmm. And you can tell, like, if you listen to someone play something, just technically whatever, it's one thing. And if you listen to someone play it again, but put emotion to it, you will be able to tell the difference. And like, it's like that when I see like child prodigies on Ellen or whatever, they have like the little six-year-old who's like, I can play the piano really well. Right. And they can, they can play all the really fast notes and it's really impressive, but it's not as impressive to me as someone who understands the music, understands what they're trying to communicate with the music and does that with their playing. So do you prefer people like Beethoven that are more emotionally charged generally like playing them? I mean, yeah, I keep bringing up Beethoven just because we're playing him right now, so he's like... Yeah, no, it's fine, but, <laughs> but no, that, that would make sense, though, Depend, based on what you're saying, like, the people that are making that more... Like, was he considered, like, romantic, I guess? Or... Yeah, he was late classical, early romantic. Yeah, so, like, those pieces that just inherently have more emotion in them and would involve more emotional investment, I guess, than, like, an earlier classical piece, right? Mm-hmm, yeah, and I... I gravitate more towards the romantic composers like Beethoven later Beethoven and Tchaikovsky and all like the big heavy the Russian I love the Russians they write some good shit <laughs> Even, um, uh, what's his name uh how the hmm? fuck did I forget his name um <laughs> the other big Russian guy who uh Stravinsky yeah do you play Stravinsky uh, at Prokofiev? all I've done a Stravinsky I can't remember exactly what it was he's a little bit he's actually more modern he kind of leans more towards the modern he does some weird stuff but he's yeah. he's hard <laughs> yeah that's why i was curious because yeah like he has like those like what are they called like cluster chords and stuff like just the insane shit going on in him yeah i know he does some weird shit um yeah. yeah he's probably as like weird as i prefer to get hmm. i don't know i'm super boring in my tastes but <laughs> no, the stuff is just like so good like and yeah. there's like smaller pieces like anything on like think of fantasia right did you ever you watched fantasia when you were little yeah like that's the kind of music that I love because it's just, it all like, it paints pictures and it paints mental pictures and like Fantasia actually drew them out for you. But it's like, it's that kind of music that's so interesting that you can put a story to it. Yeah. Like there's a, there's one piece I really like that I've played maybe once or twice that is literally, so it's Berlioz and he did a shit ton of drugs and then had like a hallucination and then wrote music about his hallucination. <laughs> And the first movement of the symphony is literally, it's called March to the Scaffold. And it's about a man being taken to get his head chopped off. <laughs> and then at the very end, his head gets chopped off. And the music literally plays his head bouncing downstairs. That's awesome. <laughs> it's amazing. Like, that's yeah. just so good. I love that. <laughs> it's so much fun. <laughs> what, what, who was this? Like, what age was this? Like, what year was this about? Or period? Berlioz, oh. I'd have to Google that. But yeah, Berlioz, yeah. I think, is romantic. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, well, it's cool. I mean, you do enjoy the experimental stuff. 
like do you enjoy stuff that tells a story more than two or do you yeah i think it's easier to connect when you like know what you're trying to do with the music right so mm-hmm. if like there's a symphony that's based on like oh this is about nature and so you can like hear the birds and stuff like that like it's it's kind of fun because it lets you picture it and then like any kind of music when you like know the message that you're trying to communicate I think it's easier to play it um and that's maybe like sometimes modern music to me just sounds like a bunch of noise (laughs) yeah so it's not as much fun um I guess the last thing I'd be curious then is like do you listen to the music while you're in while you're playing like do you listen to everything else that's going on or is it just like sort of a reference point at that point no you have to listen to everything that's going on um, but like are you taking it in the same way not the same way obviously but like are you enjoying listening to the music or is it more like stress-based like keeping <laughs> oh God, track oh God, of everything oh <laughs> yeah um, well, it depends on how comfortable I am with the piece. Like in the first few rehearsals or whatever, I'm not really paying attention to how, what's going on. Yeah. Beyond what I have to, because it's like, oh shit, the flutes play. This is my turn. Like now I have to jump in. Like you pay attention to that. But once you get comfortable and once everyone kind of gets into their groove, that's the part that I was talking about where like everything clicks and you can just play, but you also take the entire thing in as a whole. And that's the really cool part because you've been so focused on just your piece of paper in front of you and then all of a sudden it occurs to you how what you're doing fits into this huge hole uh, hmm. yeah not like a hole but yeah i know <laughs> yeah. so um yeah by the usually the goal by the concert is to be in that place where you can kind of take it all in hmm. not always there but yeah that's cool yeah. um i mean i guess that pretty much does it for me unless you have anything else no i'm gonna go cry about how i'm not cool enough to play modern <laughs> experimental music now yeah sorry um you can always play uh minimalist composers like uh, yeah. what's his name that did sinking of the titanic and stuff yeah right <laughs> mozart rolls in his grave because of you i hope you're happy <laughs> yeah i'm sorry mozart <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I, I, I guess one last thing. You're like, how do you feel about people that like update old stuff like uh, Uri Kane that does like jazz versions of Mozart or uh, whoever it was that I think it was a woman actually that did all the synth based uh, translations of like Mozart and other classical piano stuff. Interesting. I have not heard any of that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I can't speak to it. I mean, I don't hate the idea of it. I think it's kind of fun. I mean, as long as we're not like completely erasing the original, like you can do what you want with it. And it's yeah. still great music and it's fun to play around with. It's just, I leave that to the others. But you, but, uh, you don't like seek it out or really care no. much about it. Yeah. My personal life is like time constraints and what I spend the rest of my time doing. I don't really spend a lot of time like looking into that stuff. It's more of just, I go to rehearsal, I practice and that's pretty much the extent of it. Because I don't have much time outside of it. All right. Well. So. Yeah. Cool. Thanks for talking to me. Sorry, my metaphors and um, your car metaphor. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still I thinking am, about that one. Yeah, I'm. I I know there's a better metaphor for it. I don't know why that's where my brain went. 
But um, okay. yeah, I, d I really didn't mean any of it antagonistically, despite you hating scallops. I know. Okay. Well, that I will defend till I die. So yeah. that's just the way it is. And now here is Lysosaurus with an excerpt from the third movement of Rachmaninoff's Sonata for Cello and G minor. First, straight. <laughs> now with quote musicality Join tea time already in progress. It's just, it's just that split, man. You either, yeah. you either interpret things or you just spit them out of your head. Like, interpretations are neat. It's the same thing as like, it's just like if you're reading a monologue or acting in a play. Like you don't. My teacher used to call it views. Like he's like, yeah, you can't just play. You got to put your mustard on it. <laughs> you, know, you gotta. The way you hold the instrument, the way you touch it, and the way what cartoons traumatized you as a child are going to make you play that a little bit different. And then, then you get to be like, okay, well, what if I made this part loud? Like, what if I made this part soft? And then it's like it's like building a song from a kit. Instead of from a, instead of from scratch, right. Some of the pieces are already there, but you still got to sand it and paint it and make it fit in with with your scene. So they're they're similar talents, but they're not. Being good at one doesn't mean you're good at the other. And do you just want to repeat the example with uh, Charlie Parker real quick? I just started recording at the end of that because oh yeah sure. i wasn't recording that and that was perfect that's a perfect explanation of <laughs> what i'm trying to say beyond that like i, I just came up with that stupid car metaphor that i couldn't even <laughs> fully articulate well that, that charlie parker with strings album yeah was um charlie parker and like a drummer and a bass player might i think it's his keyboard player too and then a string section i don't know if it was a quartet or a sextet or like I mean, a whole touring that would have been fucking expensive <laughs> yeah take a whole orchestra just friends is the big is the big hit okay they came off it um but they like they went on tour after they recorded the album and the classical musicians were like it's like how the fuck do those guys like just make music up without any without reading it like how do they do that like what's we don't like what's improvisation like they can't they were just in all of it and 
I heard the jazz band was the same way. They were like, how do those cats, like, how do they read music? Like, how do they look at those dots and then just turn it into something? Like, we don't, they, they just couldn't, they just couldn't get it. Can you hang on a second? Yeah. Oh, yeah, in a couple minutes. <laughs> that was supposed to stop happening to me about 20 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But uh, so you've played like similarly, you played the blues a lot um, over the past. Parker, yeah. No, but no, you have like you played oh, the blues yeah, a lot yeah. over the past like twenty or so years. Like I mean, I've known. I mean, that's I forget. <laughs> I mean, I've I've known you for like thirty. Christ, a long time. Yeah, at least sixteen, seventeen years. I mean, I was fifteen, I think, when I started taking bass lessons from you. And I'm twenty-seven now, so I guess it's twelve years. Twelve years. Yeah, yeah. I thought you were older. Now I'm 27. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, I'm actually about the age you were when I started taking lessons from you. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Now you must go find <laughs> your own <laughs> student. But no, so you played the blues a lot for a long time, which is like a similar sort of thing where you're just taking other people's songs and you're playing them generally faithfully, but there is your own sound there. I mean, it's not like... I mean, obviously, there's like the white blues sound, but I don't think that's what you're yeah, doing. Sure. You, you don't sound like the bar <laughs> band in of like guys with mullets. Just yeah, yeah, I can't scales. do that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but so you're playing fairly faithful covers of like Stormy Monday and stuff, but you're doing them, but they sound like you still. Um, so like you, but you're not changing notes. You're not changing chords. You're not singing that differently from i mean you're singing differently than by blue bland because he has like a smooth as shit voice but yeah that guy's <laughs> slick man yeah <laughs> uh but like when you're doing like i forget who you've done uh but like if say you were doing like muddy waters or Helen wolf or something you'd be doing a somewhat similar sort of growl to that but so like what is different about you doing it though like what is putting you in there um well, I like the way I feel when I sing those songs, mostly. Mm-hmm. Like, like it makes me, like, I feel good. Like, and there's lots of things to play with. Like, because I'm not, like, like a trained vocalist or... I got told by a singer, like a singing teacher, she was like, don't ever call yourself a singer. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, it's not bad what you do, but what you do is vocal styling. It's not singing. <laughs> I'm like, okay, wait, whatever. But if you're the same one that told you if you keep singing that way that you're going to destroy your voice by the time you're 40. <laughs> yeah, and she told me to um, get in her room to make sure that I can sing that way and not destroy my voice. <laughs> like, she gave me a free lesson that was like, it was like, vocal first aid lesson it's like it's like here's why you can't talk for a week every time you sing a song here's how to sound that way and be able to talk when you're done it was pretty cool and she didn't like it was cool because she didn't like have she wasn't like trying to get me to learn how to sing or anything it was just like this is how noises come out your throat without causing damage (laughs) you're gonna need to know how to do this but as you were saying that it makes you feel good. So like, how is that translating to the music then? Like, what is that bringing to it? Do you think? Um, well, that, like that's one level. Like another level is like singing, like just the actual singing to me, it's like a pro it's like puzzles. It's like, what can I do with it? What can I make it do? 
like it's like small scale improvisation like how can i what else can i do to this phrase like because you're only working with like one line and you're not like it's like i said it's real slow improvisation because you're just moving things around and shoving them like you don't have to come up with it right there and then, so that's satisfying in some sense there's just it's like she said there's plenty of stuff out there so like there's no just going back over stuff that's already written and seeing how it sounds coming out of you is kind of fun. Hmm. Just to see, like, there's no real, like, it's not shallow, but it's just uncomplex. It's right. just, you know, it's not like, it's not a shallow immersion into it. It's just, there's not many parts to it. It's like, I can't think of another, I guess it's like people that, will construct these like worlds of lies around them. Like it's not that complicated to do, but it's complicated to pull back apart, like a murder investigation. Like yeah. to kill someone's yeah. really easy. You just go and kill them, but then to figure out how they did it and who did everything yeah. it involves a Working lot more backwards. Yeah. It's like, yeah. It's exactly what it's like. So you have somebody else's melody. That's that you're never going to be able to sing, right? Because it's not your melody. Mm-hmm. So you sing it as close as you can and you, and then there's a whole bunch of shit you can fool around with in there. And then there's the same with the chords. Like, you can, you know, as well as I do, you can play the same chord a billion times. And you can, and then the interplay of your voice and the way you're accompanying yourself, there's, that's like a whole other instrument. So there's plenty of like Legos to rearrange. It's just like after you've written a song and you're playing around with it, just. Mm-hmm the whole process changes when you're refining it and getting it up to performance speed. It's just, you just skip that part where you wrote the song. You just took one that was already there. And so you were, you were able to relate to what she was saying with classical music from like, Oh man, a hundred percent. Like, yeah, yeah, like a hundred percent. And I think she's talking about the harmonic minor scale. She says, because that's different when it's ascending and descending. Oh, really? No, not the harmonic, the melodic. She said melodic, right? She mentioned both of those, but yeah, the melodic scale sucks because <laughs> it's it's different. It's a straight note minor when you're ascending, and it's a harmonic minor when you're descending. So depending on if the phrase is going up in pitch or down in pitch, the scale's different. I don't think we got this far in my life. <laughs> <laughs> so it sucks. <laughs> it's like 19th century pseudo intellectual classical musical bullshit that's where it came from yeah yeah and then um well classical music like in mozart's time and stuff there's a way of notating music called figured bass did you ever see that what that is it's a melody the melody's written out in notes then the chord progression is written out in roman numerals and then there's like a fraction next to it the fraction tells you the chord inversion so right this is crazy but like if you're in an orchestra that's what you'd get Right. which is like creepy similar to a jazz lead sheet. Mm-hmm. So if you were a violin, you would know you'd be playing the upper note of the chord and you would know which note that is because of the fraction. And then like the fraction, it's weird. Like you got C, E, G, so that's root three, five. And then you have the first inversion, which is E, G, C. So that would be like three because E to G is a third. And then it would be like, three, four. So you, you start on the third, you go to the next note, which is, see, I can't even really explain it. It's maddening. Yeah. But anyway, those guys would know they would pick their notes and they would make their own lines up. Like, 
they would just improvise. They would know, okay, I'm on plane E, the next note is G, I got two beats to get there. Sounds like improv now. Hmm. So something happened. By the time Handel wrote the Messiah, you know, like that story about how he was like in his room nonstop, like write, writing out the parts like like a week before the premiere. I'm not sure. Like, so there's this where he was up against the deadline, but the story I read was that he had the figured bass score and the orchestra couldn't play it. So when he got to town, they didn't know what to do with it. So he had to write out like parts for all of them and he had like a week to do it. So at some point, like there's no difference between a jazz musician and a classical yeah. musician. Like, and then something, I guess as the catalog of music got bigger and bigger and you were expected to learn 50 pieces instead of, going to gigs with lead sheets so like there's a bigger body of work so now you have to learn all this shit and then you don't have time to develop improvisational skills so they get forgotten until like jazz really right as far as white people go <laughs> i mean i guess i mean it was the black people doing improvisation and jazz first though yeah but we you know we steal everything so yeah. <laughs> I mean, then, black people did jazz and improvisation, and we took it and made a college curriculum. Like, yeah. it's, just, it's like it's just part of the white people ruining the world movement. And that's what we do with all arts is make it. That's what I talked to. I was trying to articulate that with uh, uh, Osa Otto, um, the shock of seamstress woman, when we were talking about punk rock and academia. So I was trying to say, it's like, I feel like once it becomes a part of academia, it's dead. Dead. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, like that's film what theory said. and jazz. Yeah. He said, he said, he's like, he's like, you know, like when, when I first had my band, like the horn player would be like, Hey, listen to this lick I made up. It sounds like that girl we were talking to at the bar last night or like, this reminds me of my mom. Yeah. Like, and he said, kids start coming out of school and they were like, check out the sharp knife over the Mixolydian and the cave, <laughs> like that doesn't really belong in And he said, they just lost, just lost it. Well, even that bell trying to talk about was like film theory. Like you have like this huge explosion of, uh, recognizing it as an art form, recognizing artists within it um, and the film as like its own medium, like painting or whatever. But then these people that were the ones that like wrote all the things that became the theory, like uh, Nakashi du Cinema and uh, all of their theories become the new academic dogma for how you make a film and what is, and like the auteur theory and like all these things that are now just the definition of film. But then they keep trying to move forward and nobody's keeping up with them anymore. And then (laughs) because they figured out what made a movie good. Yeah. Now they're just being weird. No, but because then nobody moves along with them anymore because then, and then they're just like, because nobody's moving along with them, they have nothing else to build off of anymore <laughs> except right. for themselves it's like like starting over kind of like you think in 100 years the same thing will happen i think i mean i think we got a little close with like mobile core and stuff just like stripping it down like the way punk rock did um as its own form like in response to jazz and uh prog rock yeah, the over complexity of bebop yeah like, i think i think the internet and uh and Bumblecore sort of brought us close to like just starting over and maybe restructuring, but uh, I don't know. I'm still really curious about Machinima, the Second Life, and uh, other video game based filmmaking. Like, 
I gotta talk to those fucking people. <laughs> oh, that's crazy! They make movies from their second life. Oh, like adventures. I'll I send didn't... you um the work of Save Me O. Like it's just fucking batshit insane. It's great. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's probably good enough for us for today. I don't know how cool. long that was. Uh, I'm gonna go. Um, this I think this is the first time we talked where we actually talked about what we were supposed to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> like, Let's, uh, yeah, we'll have to start just bullshitting in the future and eventually work into what we're going to talk about. Yeah, yeah, we'll get it. We're, yeah. it. we're fine in the flow. Yeah. All right, well, I'll let you go do your thing. Oh, man, yeah, I gotta go. I gotta go eat some dinner. Okay. Enjoy. <laughs> I'm late. Call it Stormy Monday Tuesday just has paid And Wednesday's even worse Thursday also Now let's hear Jill Hackney's witticism about hashtag pigate, hashtag pay of pigs, hashtag Hamron. A vaudeville agent is auditioning acts and a guy comes in. The agent says, well, what do you do? The man says, well, my wife and I come out on stage and take our clothes off. She shits on some poor people and foreigners while I stick my prick in a dead pig's mouth and then our children come out to watch. And how agent says, and, and what do you call that act? The man says, the conservatives.
All right. How about that joke? You got a fair number of retweets yesterday after uh, Adam Weinstein <laughs> retweeted it. I like it. Anyway, thank you for sticking around through all that. I hope you enjoyed it and the break from my voice where I inserted the Google robot. Also, because I forgot to mention this at the top of the program, thank you to Susanna, whoever you are, wherever you are. I have no idea, but she donated money and I don't have an email address or any way to thank her. So I'll thank her here, assuming you weren't just a fan of Dave. Uh, if you want to donate money, just go to the blog. There's links in each post because we're pathetic and desperate, as well as a uh, support page. You can also support us by leaving us a review on iTunes. Even if it's just a star rating, it's appreciated. Even if it's just one star, just make it look like people are listening to this. I mean, there are, and I appreciate all of you. I swear. Come back on Friday for the much-anticipated interview with Yoga Nerd. At least much-anticipated by Blurg, who... DM'd me on Twitter to ask me about that a few days ago. And uh, next week, once again, surprise, I have no fucking idea who I'm going to be talking to. I have a couple interviews lined up for tomorrow right after each other with two people I've been trying to set up interviews with. And they've been trying to set up interviews with me, honestly, for the past, like, month or three and uh, hopefully I'll get to talk to Kayla this week. I should probably reach out to her again. Uh, so yeah, we'll see who I talk to next week. If anybody. Maybe this will be the last episode of mine. We'll see. But if it's not, please come back and give us money, subscribe, all that, you know. Uh, is there other things I'm supposed to say here? Do you guys know better than me? Um, you can leave us your short stories, poems, or jokes like Jill Hackney if you have them on the blog or on email at robinundressingunderground.com or on the phone. You can leave us a voicemail at 260-PUNK-POD. It's a free account I have, so it's not a big deal if you don't, but it's nice when people do use it. Uh, you can also send us guest suggestions, which I greatly appreciate. <laughs> Because obviously I'm having a hard time. <laughs> uh, hopefully I can get some of those Second Life people on here soon. Because who the fuck knows anything about Second Life? I'm not sure Tanet is going to happen anymore. I'm still going to keep pushing them. But uh, there's some weird shit going on with that I won't go into yet. And, uh, yeah. Thank you. I'm sorry I said fuck y'all last week. But, you know, seriously. Fuck y'all.